The scripture portion for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 2 to 6. I'll be reading from the ESA version. If you have your Bibles, you can open it and you can follow it along with me. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 2 to 6. Or you can also watch on the screen behind me. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. Pastor Brandon will be preaching the word now. All right, we haven't did it. We didn't do a mic check, so I never know what's going to happen when I turn that thing on. Well, let me just also say for me, welcome. Uh, it's exciting to be here, and also a little uh, sad to see kind of another year already coming to an end as the as its last service of 2022. Uh, it's also the fourth and final Advent, so uh, obviously, if you didn't know, it's only four of them. And uh, so today we're going to be concluding our series where we've been looking at the virtues of Advent. And I'm excited to end this series and really to end this year on what I would say is, is a very important virtue and one that I think we all should, and I would say if we're honest, really truly desire, uh, but often don't see in our life. Uh, so each week we've looked at different virtues that are associated with Advent, hope, was our first week, and then peace, love, and today we're going to end it all out in the year with joy. Joy sounds good, right? Say joy. Yeah, there you go. It didn't, doesn't work as well as with peace, does it? I tried that last week with, uh, or a couple weeks ago with peace. Just kind of had a nice ring to it. Now, if you are just joining us uh, throughout my kind of my thought process behind this series, has been to look at these virtues uh, that are often, you know, I think we're, we're going in a bit of a different way than a traditional Advent series, and I really want to look at them as kind of answers or remedies to some of the things that you are struggling with in your life right now. As we come to the, the end of the year, maybe you're looking back and you're thinking, man, I wrestled with this, I wrestled with that. And here we have some answers through the hope that we have, the peace that is offered us and the love that is given to us and shown to us through Christ. And now today, joy. And these are struggles that can be often amplified as the year comes to an end, especially if you're kind of looking back on everything maybe you've endured or gone through this year. And as you're kind of entering into the holiday season in general, right? We talk about how stress can be a big part of that and God gives us peace. Last week we looked at love, and I really liked this phrase that I used, I read somewhere, not sure, don't even remember where, but that love is a consequence, and I love that word consequence, is a consequence of our relationship with God. Love is a consequence of it, and I want to say that is true also today of joy, that joy is a consequence of, 
of our relationship with him. Just as when we deepen our knowledge of who God is, we talked about that last week, that it comes out of this knowledge of what Christ has done for us, that's so also, and, and then we respond with our love for him, right? And for our love for others. So it, it's a love that goes upward and outward. And I would say also with joy, it's a direct consequence. It's a result. It's a response to our relationship with him, grown out of the knowledge. And knowledge is a key word. Knowledge is not just something that we know. And when, when the Bible talks about knowledge and things that we need to know, it's connecting what we know with what we feel. It's our heart. Right? It's grown out of our knowledge of the good news of the gospel, which is something proactive and something that we can apply to our lives. It's not just head knowledge. It's something we can actually apply. That knowledge, that truth, that Jesus Christ has come into the world. Right? It's Advent. That's what we're celebrating, that Jesus Christ has come. And it didn't, it's not just not that he came and was born. That'd be great. Uh, that's, but that wouldn't be enough. It's that he died for us that, and that through him we can put our faith in what Christ has done for us and we will not perish but we're given everlasting life. And this in itself should be a root of our joy. And that's what we want to talk about today. That we have joy that our name, if you belong to him, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. And that we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that we belong to him today and forevermore. That's reason to rejoice. Amen? I know it's a little cozy. We're a bit smaller today. It's nice and uh, more intimate here. But, you know, we can still uh, be vibrant. And since we're talking about a topic that I really hope that we all leave with today, I really want you to leave with a deeper sense of God's joy. Let me just take a minute and pray if that's all right. Father, I thank you so much for your joy. I thank you how you want to speak into our lives today, that you want to reveal the truth of the gospel of what Christ has done that, that produces this joy in our life and, and that it would produce that joy in our life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do your work, that you would cut to the heart, that you would reveal things in us that we need to put to the side, things that we need to let go of, things that keep us from the joy that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So joy is something I think I, I said we all want to have joy. And I would say this isn't just a Christian thing. The pursuit of joy runs deep in our human nature. It's something that's a part of who we are. Everyone is seeking joy in one way or another, right? It dictates a lot of what we do a lot. And even people who maybe are self-loathing and, and uh, reject the idea of joy are also using it to dictate all of their lives and or all of the decisions of their life. It governs our pursuits, right? What's going to bring me joy What's going to bring me happiness? Maybe you're, when you're thinking about what to study, what career you're going to do, you're going to kind of have that. Uh, you're not going to pursue something that you hate, right? Or something that makes you miserable. You're going to try and pursue things that bring you joy. And this is because we're created to find it. We're created to find joy. But we have to look in the right place. We have to look in the right place. And for Christians today, through our relationship with Jesus, we have the joy of the Lord within us as a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the aspects, the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, and they're in us, being produced within us as we're being sanctified, being made into the image of Christ. It is a joy that we have access to when we belong to Him. And a joy that should be seen in our lives and through us. 
Do you have joy today? Do you have joy? Anybody? Okay. Don't answer that. Now, when I say joy, I'm not talking about just some superficial happiness, right? We can maybe get confused here. I'm not talking about phony happiness, fake it till you make it mentality. You know, it's like you don't need to like, uh, you know, put on a smile. And I know some people have this like Im- this image in their head when they think of like Christians in the States. Not all of us are like that, I promise. This like kind of you have to fake it and be happy and only keep on the surface. But we're not talking about anything in that regard, any kind of phony understanding of what happiness could be. I'm talking about a deep-rooted joy, something that's there, a joy. And here's a good definition or a good way to kind of put your mind around it. The joy of the Lord is a peace. So you can kind of tie that in with what we talked about, peace. It is a peace that brings satisfaction to our hearts, right? The joy of the Lord is a peace that brings satisfaction to our hearts, the sense of satisfaction and peace. That is the joy of the Lord. It's a joy that extends beyond any circumstance that we find ourselves in. It doesn't matter what's going on. Joy even on the bad days. Anybody have a bad day this week? Maybe a couple of you. Bad, maybe a few this month, few even more this year. We all have bad days. We all have things that are difficult situations that we face. And I'm talking about a joy that we can have even in sorrow, even in trouble, whether it's a good day or a bad day. And maybe you're thinking, well, wait a minute. Though There's bad days, right? You know, you miss the tram, you're late for work. You know, you stub your toe when you get out of bed in the morning and you're thinking, oh, I'm having a rough day. I need to go back to bed, try to maybe try again. But you, maybe you're thinking, but okay, that's one thing, but I'm dealing with real issues, man. I'm suffering. I'm, I'm dealing with loss or loneliness. I've been stuck in despair. How do we find joy literally and realistically in all things, in every situation, in bad days, bad years, bad news, whether it's something outward or internal. Here's a good quote for you that I really like. I'm going to build on a little bit here. This is from Charles Spurgeon. It says, believers, believers are not dependent upon circumstances. So it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter what's happening to you. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Believers are not dependent upon circumstances. Their joy comes not from what they have, but from what they are. Not from where they are, but from whose they are. Not from what they enjoy, but from that which was suffered for them by their Lord. To have real joy, the joy that comes from God in our life, we need to first understand the source of our joy. We need to understand where to look for it. Where does it come from? Where does your joy come from? Where does your joy, what is it rooted in? Because I can tell you this, when things get hard, you'll find the answer. When things start to be taken out of your life and then suddenly you have no joy, well, it's like, well, you were finding your joy in that thing. Find your joy in something that can't be taken away. The joy of the Lord is only experienced when our true joy comes from the right place, from something incorruptible and eternal. There's a difference between temporary happiness and the joy of the Lord. Right Now, obviously, when we talk about this, the world has all kinds of ideas of what we can find joy in, especially these kind of temporary reliefs 
that we even as Christians will fall into when we fall into, especially when we fall into sin or putting things above God in our life. So it's filled with these false temporary types of joy or happiness, whether it's through things like alcohol and drugs, you know, you have a long day and you're like, it was a really bad day, but then you drink that beer and it takes the edge off, as they say, you know, he knows, amen, it's not the right thing to say amen to, but uh, that's all right, it's all right. (laughs) And it also can be things like relationships, that, oh, the next relationship, the next relationship, or sex in general, or lust, or pornography, Gives, us, gives people this false sense of, of happiness or food, right? Food can be, amen, whew, yeah. food can be a temporary happiness. Money, fame, success, power. Many grab at these things trying to fill this hole that is only satisfied with the joy of the Lord through a relationship with him. And I'm gonna say even, I would take that even further, that some of you, I would say, believe that happiness, that your joy is always right around the corner. Right around the corner. As soon as I get my degree, as soon as I'm done with my studies, as soon as I get to this point in my life, then I'll have some joy in my life. As soon as I get a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, as soon as I get more money, if I just had a little bit more money and I didn't have so much stress when it comes to finances, then I would have more joy, then I'd be happy. If I have just a little bit more success in my workplace, or maybe it's if this problem would just be taken away, then I would have joy. Or if I just got a new flat, or if I was able to mend this relationship, if God would just fix this in my life, then I would have joy. And for a moment, when things do tend to work out, we might have moments where we feel happy, a satisfaction in things that are going well around us because Maybe, yeah, it's something that we're, that's just providing pleasure in our life or enjoyment or a sense of fulfillment. And a lot of those things can give us that, right? Or a type of relief or rest. And for a moment, we have this sense of feeling happy. But I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord is having satisfaction in something greater than you, something greater than you, greater than your situation that never diminishes no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's given to you or taken away from you. Good days, bad days, and everything in between. There are good things also in our life that can bring us joy that should not be our ultimate source of joy. They should not be the thing that we lean on when it comes to our joy. I think of things like even a a vacation can be a really good thing. Sam's got the right idea. He's down in warm Australia sitting by the pool, and I'm here freezing to death. It's a good thing. It can be a good thing. There's nothing wrong with a vacation, but that shouldn't be like, oh, I just need to get to my vacation, then I'll be happy. And even good things like our relationships in our life, right? Good relationships, God-given relationships, whether it's with your spouse or maybe a faithful friend that you have. I mean, I named my daughter Joy, so I always have joy in my life. And I love her very much, but she's still not my ultimate source of joy, When we look at our life, there are many things that we should be thankful for. We should be, hey, wow, these are cool things I have. I mean, it's Christmas, right? It's the time of gift giving. You know, the joys of unwrapping something new. You know, that that kind of, I mean, I always think about it when you're a kid. It's like like amplified. You get to relive that a little bit when you have kids yourself. Uh, That kind of just, wow, this filled with like, it's like so much joy. It's like radiating, like glowing. But that shouldn't be our ultimate source of joy. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with finding joy in the good things that God has given us in our life, and we should be thankful for them, and we can find joy in them, but they should not be our source. And that could be whether it's our necessities, how God has provided for us, or the extra things that he's given us, or even the relationship we have in our, relationships we have in our life. I want to tell you, there is a joy that God has given you if you belong to him that will be consistent even if everything is taken away. Imagine that. There are Christians that have experienced that where all those good things, even their friends and family, maybe are taken, their possessions taken, their money, their power taken, and yet they still have joy. That's the kind of joy that God gives us. It's not reliant on those things. The kind of joy that Paul had I don't know if you know, I'm not going to read through it, but uh, in Acts, uh, Paul is in prison and he's in, literally in shackles. I mean, I just, I imagine, imagine him, it's, a, it's dark, it's, it's wet, there's maybe a rat's crawling on him. And I mean, it's not a great place to be, not like sitting by a pool having a nice warm vacation. It's the, it's the pits. And at this moment, he doesn't know what's going to happen next. Spoiler alert. He gets out of prison. God, really, God supernaturally gets him out of there. But at that moment, he's in this dark prison, doesn't know what's going to happen, and he responds by singing praises to God. By singing praises to God. What? And I ask, and I know none of you are physically in a prison right now because you're here with me, unless you feel like this is a prison, talk to me after. But how many of you maybe feel like you're in a dark prison mentally through things you're struggling with or emotionally with things you're wrestling with or spiritually feeling like you're in this dry season? You feel like, man, I, just, I feel like I'm in this dark prison. I feel like alone. I feel isolated. I feel like I can't move. I don't know what to do. What is your response to that? Is it to begin to sing? Is it to begin to praise God with a joy of the Lord? See, that's the moments. That's the moments when you see if you have your joy in the right place. Because if you are in these dark places in your life and you can't come to this place and say, God, I still praise you because you're so good, then you're finding your joy in something else. And God made you a little aware of that or he took that away or he made it so it lost its appeal or its splendor or its, its power to bring joy to your life. And suddenly you're like, I don't know what to do. I have, no, I have no joy in my life. Well, you weren't looking in the right place. Because it's when you're in those places, that's when you know where your joy is. That's when you know where you're rooted, where you go for your joy. Because even in the darkest places, we can still come to him. There's a joy that we can have that is not based on anything we possess or any circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter what. It's not about feeling good. It's not, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not the kind of joy that we're talking about here. It's not just about feeling good or feeling happy because those things fade. That comes and goes. That's up and down. I'm talking about something that's consistent, that's steadfast, as steadfast as our Father is. Those things will fade Rather, I'm talking about knowing Jesus. It's about knowing him, knowing what he's done for you, and knowing who you are. It's who you are. Knowing who you are in him. 
Do you know Jesus? Do you know this Jesus? Is he your Lord today? Man, get back here. Because this is how, if you're not, if you, we have to keep coming back to the gospel over and over again. Because, man, we forget it. And we forget that that's actually the source. That's the application that we bring into our lives to see peace and hope and love and joy in our life. Do you know him? And I'm not talking about some, you know, cardboard, cut out, you know, cuddly Instagram version of Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus in his might and his power and his authority and what he did for you out of his might and power and yet his meekness and his grace and his love. Man, do you know him? Because when you look at him, your heart fills with thanksgiving for what he's done for you and that leads you to joy. If he is your Lord today, find rest and rejoice. Find rest and rejoice in him. For of those whom are for of those whom are in him, he will not lose a single one, the Bible tells us. Those whom he has set free are free indeed. Those who belong to him are no longer dead in their trespasses, but have been raised to new life. They are new creatures in Christ. So we can rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and it will not be blotted out. That is reason to rejoice. That is reason to to be filled with joy. Do you think about it? Do you meditate on this? Do you ponder the truth of what that really means to your life and apply it in a real tangible way? So many times I feel like I talk about these things and, and people will say, oh, you know, that was really good. It was encouraging. You know, I, I, I was good to be reminded of that. But I feel like, but, but then when you go to those struggles, are you, are you applying it to your life? Are you applying the truth of the gospel to your life so that you actually experience the joy and the love and the hope and the peace that is offered you through the gospel? The gospel is, means the good news. Have you really grasped what that means? This truth is something greater than anything that you can go through, no matter what. And you can always come back to this point, remembering that your name is written in heaven. Just saying that right now to myself fills me with joy. Really, it does. Say it to yourself, remind yourself of what Christ has done for you. And if you believe that's you today, If Christ is your king, then you can choose joy at all times and in all situations. James 1 verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, my sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, of any kind, no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through. If it's a trial, if it's a type of suffering, if it's a difficulty, count it joy. And this is something that we all have in common, no matter what is going on in your life. We all face trials. We all face trials. This is unavoidable as long as you live on this earth. And James says, count it all joy. And here's my question for you. Why would he say that unless we could actually attain it? Why would he say it? Unless it was a real possibility to count even our difficulties, even our trials as joy. Find your source of joy in what Jesus has done for you and let him give you joy, strength, through the power and work of the Holy Spirit within you. 
course, that old 90s song said I really like, trade your sorrows for the joy of the Lord. Trade your sorrows, lay them down. It's from a psalm, by the way. Trade your sorrows for joy because he turns our mourning, he turns our suffering, he turns our difficulty into dancing, into joy, into rejoicing when he is our source because he's bigger. He's greater than what we're dealing with. And when we focus on him and the gospel truth, we begin to see that in our life in a real way that we can apply to our life and how we respond to situations. Do you understand how important joy is in your life? How much strength it gives you, encourages you, gives you that drive to move forward? And let me warn you, the devil does not want you to experience the joy of the Lord. He does not want you to. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He doesn't want you to. He doesn't want to see you experiencing God's joy. And he uses guilt. He uses shame, especially of our sins, whether past, present, or whatever things that we might have struggled with or currently are struggling with, to bring us into despair, to make us feel hopeless, to make you feel like God is a million miles away to make you feel like you're in that, the bottom of some dark prison. He wants you to feel abandoned, to feel alone and forgotten, and to forget what God says about you, to forget the promises and the truth of God, the good news of the gospel. The devil wants to distract you, to have you running around trying to fill that void. And man, there are so many things that we use to fill that void. Most of them are in our pockets on our phones that we try to find satisfaction in when we should be looking to the good, true, consistent, unchanging source, the joy that can only be found in the joy of the Lord. That's where we want to be filled. In order to receive this full portion of the joy of the Lord, you need to get this. This is the important truth, that our joy is always rooted in the truth of God's promises. It always comes back to that. And I would say, I would add to that, cumulated, come together in the gospel and then perpetuated through the forgiveness of our sins. Through the forgiveness of our sins. Nothing will bring you greater joy than deepening your understanding of that. As a Christian, we always have something to be excited about to be filled with joy about. And some of you have experienced that joy, that excitement about what Christ has done for you once, but now it's just some distant thing that is nice to be reminded of. But what do I actually need to, what, 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 is that, what can I actually apply to my life? <sighs> Go back to that. Go back to that. It should continue to fill you with excitement and joy. It's so easy for us to forget. It's so easy for us to distract ourselves or to let that fall into the past is not something that's still the greatest truth that we've ever known or have ever experienced. We can forget how truly amazing it is that we've been saved. Are you still amazed? Are you still in awe of God's love for you, of what he's done for you? If not, then you're not really you don't really either you don't really know it or you haven't really meditated on the importance of it in your life. Because, man, it, it should just get deeper. It doesn't get less, it gets more. 
Isaiah 9, verse 2, says the people, this is from our text, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, the bottom of that pit, on them has shown light, has light shown. There's a reason to rejoice. The Prince of Peace has come. We're no longer in the darkness. We've seen a great light, the light of Jesus Christ in this world, shining on us and shining through us as we become the light to the world, representing Christ as Christians today. Boy, that only, that's only possible when you're really looking up and absorbing that great truth of the light shining down on you, which is the joy of the Lord. All of this is rooted in the good news of our salvation. And the good news of our salvation is our joy. I think some of you are maybe finding or having trouble finding this kind of consistent joy of the Lord in your life. I think there's one thing above all that really steals our joy, and it's worth fighting. It's worth fighting against. And in a word, that's going to be sin, and I'll tell you why. Psalm 51, verse 10 through 12. This is uh, David talking. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now, what is the context of this statement? If you don't know, I'll tell you. The context of this statement is confession and repentance of sin. David had done a great sin and he's confronted with it and he's responding to it in this psalm. Now, what does that mean for us and how we should understand this text, this verse that's often used? David does not say that, restore to me your salvation. That was not what was in question. He knew of God's steadfast love. He talked about it a lot. Read through the Psalms. He knew of God's steadfast love. He knew how God saw him, and he knew it had nothing to do with him. His salvation was secure, but something was missing, the joy. The joy was missing. Why? What took the joy out of the reality of the salvation that he had in God his sin, and he wanted it back. He saw what was missing, and he wanted it back. Now, I know that this is not always the culprit. I'm, I'm not saying it is, and I know there's a lot more we could say and go a lot deeper. I'm not saying that if you have no joy, it's always because of sin in your life. But I'm rather pointing out that in this example from the life of David, that is, in fact, the reality. That was what was going on. That's what was stealing his joy. And to that, I would say, Take time and confess your sin. Confess your sin to him. Which is really, what is confession, confession really? I mean, we're forgiven from our sins. That, that work is done on the cross. What is, really, what is confession really about? Well, it's, it's a proclamation of the gospel. It's a proclamation, a declaration of the gospel and our belief in it and our acceptance of, the God, of God's forgiveness for our sins. That I know what Christ has done and I confess my sin knowing that I am forgiven knowing that I am forgiven, knowing that I've been set free, knowing that the power of sin and death has no authority over me anymore. I know this to be true. So I confess my sins and I proclaim that over my life. 
We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Anyone who thinks that they're without sin does not know God, John tells us in 1 John. So we confess and we receive God's forgiveness, right? We receive the forgiveness that we already have. And what does that do? Well, that produces joy. It produces joy in our hearts and in our lives. David's sin was great. That sin was taking another man's wife and then having him murdered to cover it up. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. A salvation rooted and founded in grace, which is the undeserved forgiveness of God. And that produces joy. Produces joy. And you know, another verse that's very famous, you know, the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. It's another one that people love to put on a coffee cup. Looks great there. You put it on your t-shirt. But that comes out of a place where the, the Israelites were mourning over their sins and their rebellion against God. And out of this mourning, Nehemiah comes up and reminds them of God's steadfast love. And he responds to their grief in, in uh, Nehemiah verse 8 uh, sorry, chapter 8, verse 10. He says, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's rooted in this steadfast love of God and this forgiveness that God has and this love that God has for his people. A deep understanding of forgiveness leads always to joy in all my years. And I, I'm not just saying this as like some, you know, dusty theological uh, truth. I'm saying this as something that I've experienced in my life. In all my years as a Christian, this, my friends, I still find to be the deepest, most moving and profound reality of my faith, that I am forgiven, that I have been forgiven by the blood of Christ. You may know that. I'm certain you've heard it before. But I ask you, do you apply it to your life? Do you apply the reality of that truth to your life? Fight for joy in your life. Fight for joy in your life. Joy is something you can always have, but have to be willing to fight for it. There's a real enemy trying to take it from you, and he'll use all tactics at his disposal. And the world will tell you to just do things that make you feel good, make you feel happy. But I say to you, choose to have the joy of the Lord and fight to keep it. What better time than now? as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate the coming of our Lord. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus has come. And he is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a loving, gracious father, a prince of peace. And Jesus did not just come into the world as a baby. That would be not enough. That's not the whole story. But that he lived a perfect life, that he died a sinner's death. And all of our shame, our guilt, our sin was nailed to the cross, crucified with him. And he rose again and he imparted to us forgiveness that we may have grace if this is not reason to rejoice and to be filled with thanksgiving and joy i ask you what is 
What is? What greater truth is there than this? What greater thing is there to spend time pondering? What greater thing is there to think on and to meditate on and to apply to our life than the truth of the gospel? And what thing can bring greater joy than this? That you are forgiven. So I tell you, rejoice. Rejoice. Amen? Amen? That's not, that was not very joyous, but forgive you. In Luke 2, verse 11, it says, For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Remember this. As you celebrate Christmas, maybe I know it's a mixed bag when you spend time with family. Sometimes it brings joy. Sometimes uh, not as much. Depends on your family. But whatever you do this holiday, take time and meditate on the joy that you have in Christ. The joy that you have because he came, because he lived, because he died, and because he rose again so that you may be forgiven. Meditate on the joy of your salvation through Jesus Christ and through him alone and let it fill you with joy this season. I invite the band to come up as I close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your joy. We thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your hope, for your peace. We thank you that we have all these things because of what you've done for us. And I pray that you would fill us today with your joy. The truth of your gospel for many of us, especially those of us who have been in church maybe for many years, can be something that is, we know, but we forget how to apply it to our life. We forget that it is the only truth that matters. That Even Paul, in all of his wisdom, came and said, I, I, I stand before you only knowing Christ and him crucified. It is the greatest truth. It is the thing that we stand on and is the thing that brings joy in our life, remembering that we have been forgiven. Remind us that we've been forgiven. Lord, some of us today maybe need to be reminded of our sin and we need to repent before you. I pray that you would give us the wisdom to pray as David prayed, that you would search our hearts, show us where we need to be purified, where we need to work. You would discipline us because you love us. And we know that in our confession of our sins, we are completely forgiven. And this produces joy. In Jesus' name, amen.